Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel TV episodes as they are released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. Welcome to Living Loki, our official Loki After Show podcast. I am Zach Perlstein, the editor-in-chief of the Boardwalk Times, and today I am joined by Richard Nevins, a senior writer and editor at The Direct. Richard, welcome back to the pod. Thank you so much, man. It's good to be back. We've, I, we were saying before, as we've done this so many times, we're, we'll be good to go. And I'm, after what happened yesterday, I am so excited to talk about this. And I think we just have to dive right in. Usually, you know, I do my intro spiel of, you know, go visit boardwalktimes.store, which go do that, you know, go check out or the variance tea, you know, go, go join our giveaway, do all that. But we, we got to just dive right into this low-key season finale slash series finale like it's so crazy i mean this whole episode it's full circle it was the same title as the first episode was this episode glorious purpose like i mean it's just so wild and i just need to hear like what were some of your initial thoughts after watching this i mean to me like without going too much into spoilers yet this is the best season finale of any Disney Plus show yet. I mean, I, I loved I loved the one obviously from Loki season one with you know He Who Remains and the timeline breaking and everything. And my other one of my other favorites was the Miss Marvel one, uh where she finally, you know, finished suiting up and everything. And uh and obviously everybody go see the Marvels, you know, this weekend too. Um gotta check that out. But but no, this one was I mean it wasn't just to me like the best finale that we've had. This is just one of the best Disney Plus Marvel episodes I think that we've had since Marvel got to Disney Plus it just from start to finish it was it was emotional it was dramatic and I love the way that I was so happy with it I was kind of lost for words at some points because they did do some crazy stuff and they Mm -hmm. hit you in places that you didn't expect and Really, I do think they left everyone wanting a bit more, and I don't know if we'll get more from Loki, the series specifically, but maybe we'll get it in different projects. But yeah, no, I thought they did a tremendous job with this episode. I mean, I did have some issues with some minor things, which I'm sure we'll just get into as we talk about this podcast or like as we talk during this about the show. But if you had to give this like a star rating, like one through five, how, where are you going? I think I know where you're going with this, but where would you go? Oh, I'm I'm definitely leaning toward the five. I mean, at least four and a half, yeah. if not five. Yeah, I'm going to go four and a half here. I'm going to go four and a half. But yeah, no, I yeah. think it's it's definitely a top episode. It was definitely unexpected. In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I mean, I think just from the very start with that reverse, like Marvel Studios intro, like I just knew we were like in for like a wild ride. Yeah, and, and like and that that start was like you let they let you know, holy crap, we are in for a crazy ride of this episode. Like I think last time they did the um like all the different quotes from Marvel movies and stuff. Um, I can't remember if that was in the intro or like or after it with the logos and everything. But I love the idea of, you know, this one being reversed and like with all the time jumping and stuff in this episode, it it fit perfectly. In that low-key time sequence, what a performance by Tom Hiddleston. What Mm -hmm. a like, what a just the the repetition in all these scenes like would drive me crazy. 
like the amount of right. like, how they have to like repeat but like Hiddleston does such a great job of every line hits differently like you can start to tell like when he's done this um time loop a thousand times or how he's like time slipped like once he gets to a certain point and he's just basically predicting what you know Casey's saying and OB's saying and he's hurrying the process along I thought his performance was off the charts in this episode oh yeah yeah I mean and Tom Middleton's already like one of the best actors that the MCU has and he did such a good job within this episode and it's funny, like, as you were mentioning that, I was trying to think of, like, what it reminded me of. I don't know how big of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, fan you are. There's an episode in Season 7 where they do that with Scott, with uh, Daisy and Coulson, the whole time jumping and reversing time thing. And it, this whole plot actually kind of reminds me of that a little bit. But this one was just crazy the way. And, and like you said, the way Tom Hiddleston made every single take of it, you know, different and compelling and you know, he has to he has to change with the times to make sure that you know Victor Timely doesn't die doing, you know, what he has to do with the temporal loop and everything. It, it was insane. It was crazy. It was beyond nuts. And another thing that I thought was crazy during this episode when he was doing the time slipping is when he realizes he has to go farther into the past. And obviously that gives mm -hmm. us an opportunity to revisit uh, various scenes from previous episodes of Loki. And I think the one moment that I thought was almost downright like terrific was the pausing of time. The he who remains, mm -hmm. you know, when he who remains like basically is like, you know, you're my favorite and like all this stuff. <laughs> and like just like just the whole detecting that, like, you know, he who yeah. remains was well aware what Loki was doing and like then Loki being able to pause time himself. I just thought that was brilliant. And I just would love to see the ramifications of that going forward. Once again, I don't know if we will, but it does seem like this episode did give some bright future to the multiverse saga in general, especially when it comes to certain uh, things they can do with the time slipping and time pausing. And I, I could just yeah. see it seems like the building blocks are being set. Yeah, for sure. And like and on top of that, the whole uh, the whole thing with he who remains it it re-reminded you of how terrifying, you know, Kang and He Who Remains actually are. Like, because, like, I actually just wrote an article on, about this uh, for the director should be out you know, today or tomorrow or something, that, like, it's really, like, changed Jonathan Major's whole introduction into the MCU. Like, like the way that he wasn't sure what was going to happen with Sylvie and Loki at the end of season one. But here it's, like, he knew that Loki was going to come back and do this and try, you know, to save the sacred timeline and everything. And he was ready for it. And like, I mean, the idea of Kang, I mean, obviously that's such a, so in flux now with everything going on in the MCU, but I really hope that they can, you know, at least find a way to somewhat keep going with this because there's some terrifying potential, you know, ramifications from what could happen with all this. Should they keep going down this path? I think so, too. I think they have a lot of different angles, and I don't think we should write off the multiverse storyline just yet. I think there's a lot of people no. who are trying to write that off. And I don't even know if it ends with Kang, per se, but, like, we can – there's just a lot of potential. And this episode even made it seem like we can do a lot of things with the multiverse and still get – a lot of satisfaction from it and obviously when we talk about the marvels um on another podcast there's a lot of multiverse stuff we're going to get into with that one mm -hmm. as well yeah 
But this episode, I think one of the, the the biggest moment though, by far, is when it's at the end of the episode, it's R, when Loki finally kind of realizes there's only one way out, essentially. There's only one way to stop the temporal loom. And he decides to take the place at the end of time. And he becomes mm-hmm. like the one sort of like almost he who remains figure, like a god who is basically managing all these dying timelines and branches. And I know some people have pointed out it kind of made that Asgardian tree, like the world's tree from the yeah, Thor, yeah. yeah, that from the Thor films. And I I think this was I can see why some Loki fans don't like how it ends because it isn't a happy ending. Like it's not, it's not a happy ending, but I do think it gave me no way home vibes where it's like, it's not a happy ending, but like Loki just kind of sacrificed himself to save like not just the TVA, but all of existence. And I think that's going to come back around because Obviously, with Loki saving these dying branches, it you know, we still have that Sylvie's decision to kill he who remains that still stands like that still created mm-hmm. chaos, and it's there's could still be ramifications for that. Now, with Loki kind of managing these branches, the TVA now can shift into basically hunting Kang variants, and I found that to be amazing i was like let's go this this is what the tva should have been like this is gonna be um awesome yeah and i mean obviously it was a you know crazy crazy character decision from from loki and i mean and tom hiddleston's just been through so much crazy stuff in the mcu over the past what 11 years or what 13 years now 12 years he's been part of this franchise um but this was like i mean easily the biggest sacrifice that loki has ever made in the MCU. I mean, literally pretty much devoting the rest of his life potentially to holding all these timelines together and making sure that all of existence doesn't fall apart. I mean, I really hope this isn't like the end for him. It feels, I mean, it's funny because it feels like this could be a way to like possibly cap off the Loki show. And then they've talked about it, that season one and season two were like two halves of a major story that they were writing. So, I mean, there's obviously a chance that they go into season three. I mean, everybody loves this show, but I, I do feel like it's an interesting way to to kind of send Tom Hiddleston off. And hopefully that'll mean he'll be, you know, a big part of, of Kang Dynasty and, and Secret Wars, um, just because he is now such an important figure within the entire, you know, reality of the MCU and all the different universes that are being held together by him. So no, there's there's a lot to look forward to with him still, which I'm really glad about. And and obviously Tom Hiddleston acted the hell out of it and he was incredible. I think for sure. I think we're going to see him. You know, he's at the end of time right now. And I can see this mm-hmm. going one of two ways. A Kang's gonna come and find him. Oh yeah. You know, and I think that's how we can get King Dynasty and Secret Wars is because I still I'm still holding on to the bet that Loki and Sylvie are the ones who kind of hair like start assembling the Avengers or assembling the heroes across the multiverse for King Dynasty Secret Wars. That's at least my take. Yeah. I I think how Wakanda played a central role in Infinity War. I think the TVA is gonna be that setting, like for. 
these next Avengers films. I think you're going to see all these characters kind of end up in the TVA and then it's going to become a big, you know, war from there or whatever angle they decide to take it. But I also could see if if Hiddleston or decides not to continue for whatever reason or if they want it to really close the chapter on Loki, you do kind of can you can do a TVA Disney Plus show if you really mm-hmm. want. Absolutely. To. I think there is enough of that, that cast. The supporting cast is strong enough. Um, mm-hmm. And even with Marvel's new TV strategy, I think it aligns well. I think you could still yeah. do it. And I think fans would get behind it pretty quick. So, I mean, there could be a pivot there. I also really like how they set up the TVA for future projects because now the Deadpool 3 tie-in will still make sense. It's not like they wrote off the TVA and it wasn't going to make sense. So, I mean, that's exciting that they're going to use it again. So we have that to look forward to as well. Yeah, and and – and I'm so glad that like we're finally going to be able to get some new updates on Deadpool now too. With I mean, this is our I was thinking this is our first time doing this since the writers and actors strike ended, which is awesome, and we're yes. finally going to get some some Marvel news again. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's going to be great. The TVA is probably clearly going to be a huge part of Deadpool three, which you know still my most anticipated MCU movie, and now the only one of next year, which is you know a whole other topic to talk about but yeah i mean i mean deadpool 3 has a lot riding on it you know it, besides the fact that it introduces deadpool and mutants officially into the mcu for the first time i mean this thing could is really like the bridge per se between like all these earlier projects and Kang dynasty and secret wars this whole multiverse saga i mean there's some big potential you know plot points that could do, go down in this movie that could lead into the end of the multiverse saga and I mean, I'm so glad that, you know, the TVA is still obviously there and, you know, trying to piece itself back together with Loki still in the mix. There's there's a lot to, to piece together over the next few months, but it's going to be really fun learning how all that works together. It is going to be fun to see how it all comes together. And I honestly, I think my, my quick prediction for Deadpool 3 is I think we're going to actually see it move from July of 2024 to December of 2024. I think they're going to try to put it in that big, like, prime time, like, holiday could, slot. Yeah. I think it's just too good of a movie not to do that. And as yeah. a Disney guy, they currently have the Lion King um, film in there, like the prequel, which I think could easily get shifted to 2025. So, Hey, I would yeah. rather see Deadpool in December. I think the marketing, you know, everything would align for that. It would be historic. Yeah, and, and I mean, Deadpool 3 is just going to be such a, a crazy big movie for the MCU regardless. I mean, it's awesome that it's now not the only R-rated movie in the MCU with, you know, the news that Blade's going to be R-rated too, which is awesome. Can't wait for that. But I mean, just, I mean, Deadpool coming into the MCU, we've talked about it so many times on this show. It's going to be, just like a game-changing moment, especially with him and Hugh Jackman and Owen Wilson supposed to be in the movie as Mobius. There's rumors about Miss Minutes being in there. So this one, I mean, there's a reason. It, I think this one is possibly top one on my anticipation list, even ahead of maybe Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So we will see, but I'm I'm crazy pumped for it. For sure, and especially what you said, post-writer's um, strike and actor strike, we're going to get more news on Deadpool 3 and both me and Richard will be talking about Deadpool 3, I think, multiple times on the podcast next year, whether it's talking about the marketing campaign or the film itself. We're going to probably do a couple episodes just dedicated to like Deadpool oh, yeah. 3. And yeah. 
another thing I really liked in this Loki episode is, you know, they did reference Quantumania and they did do it mm-hmm. in a very cool way, in my opinion, because at first I was like, did they just reference what I think they referenced? And then it like it yeah. clicked because at first I didn't think they went there. And then they did the ruckus on Earth 616 adjacent realm, you know, and then they said they took care of it, you know. So I really thought that was that was cool. It kind of puts Quantumania's place in the timeline. It means it came before Loki season two, essentially. Mm-hmm. I know Loki season two was like all over the map, but like in MCU timeline order, it, it kind of puts Quantumania in a good spot. And it is also kind of funny to just stop and think about that. Like Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, they 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 stopped King by themselves, along with like Hank Pym, Hank Pym's ant army but it's like it's still just one of those crazy like things to think about and i i i liked how they handled it in the finale i thought that was a cool reference to it i'm just glad they didn't like pretend that that didn't happen yeah it was very cool and like and i know this is the first time we've talked loki on this show but like seeing how they worked in that that post credit scene from from ant-man with victor timely first being introduced that was a whole lot of fun you know when he first got introduced i think it was in episode three and you know his you know evolution throughout the whole series was really really interesting mostly just because he was with the the loki crew at the tva for most of the time taken out of his own timeline but um but no i mean i just can't wait to see where all these kang variants go from here i mean obviously we don't know how much of a role victor timely is gonna play in all of this but i mean there's still the the big three that we saw in that other ant-man post credit scene and um and yeah i mean loki just knowing about kang and knowing that like, having that information to potentially you know be a help to the avengers and whoever fights him is it, going to be really important moving forward no matter whether he's you know holding the timeline together or not by that time exactly i mean it will be interesting to see how that kind of all plays out because i mean it is huge that he knows about kang and the Victor Timely thing I thought was pretty interesting. I, I thought it was cool that they kind of went back to the candle scene and he never got the TVA guidebook, like how they kind of at the end of the episode, they kind of like started to tie mm-hmm. everything back together. And it's like you have B-15 who's now leading the new TVA. And then you also yeah, had Renslayer. Yeah. You had Renslayer pop up in the void, which I thought was mm-hmm. pretty interesting. And I get some people are saying what was coming at her was Eliath in the void but like with the purple kind of like look i i thought i thought you know i i I guess it could be elioth but i was thinking a kang variant was coming after her or coming to save her like what what do you think on that who do you think who do you think renslayer was looking at i i was kind of leaning more toward the elioth thing yeah it could also very well be kang because elioth was protecting you know the citadel at the end of time and it uh, season one episode five and you know loki and sylvie had to get through that to get to he who remains in the first place so i would not be surprised to, to see if kang and Eliath are working together somehow and then obviously we know about the connection between Renslayer and kang you know the whole the love interest thing from the comics and they tease that a lot in season two with them working together at different points um you know that relationship is going to be really important moving forward um with that character i mean we clearly haven't seen the last of her um and she's she's going to be up to some stuff uh in the future for sure and i even said on this podcast i could see her kind of becoming like a kang type figure 
as well. Yeah. Like ascending to that level. If they had to pivot for any reason, I could see Renslayer becoming like the Kang, you know, like to be the big bad. And yeah, it was just like one of my ideas I tossed out. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm curious to see Renslayer's future. And it's like, that's what I mean. Like they kind of left a lot open, you know, a lot was kind of left open where it's like, you got to assume some things are going to come back into play into in future titles, even if they don't do a low key season three. Oh yeah. I mean, and they really set themselves up actually for a lot of options. Like you were saying, I mean, I mean, this series, I mean, it put a close on some things, but it was so open-ended with like, different directions that they could take with all the different characters with the time the tva stuff everything going on with the timeline and the multiverse um there are a lot of options for where they can take this you know across the rest of the multiverse saga before the next couple of avengers movies and i think they've got some good options just because we know that you know all these delays are happening it seems like they want to pivot and you know change some stuff around internally so they they set themselves up well in the season to really you know reanalyze and reevaluate and weigh their options see what works best for sure and like even in this finale it's like sylvie's future unknown mobius oh yeah retires i mean eh, i don't know i mean i i can't imagine mobius retiring retiring because i mean like his no. he already has there's already a person like taking care of his kids he can't like just go back and like chill with this place yeah you know what i mean yeah like you can't just like like merge into that body and like take it over again you know what i mean so it's like yeah do you think mobius will come back to the tva and i think that's when b15 was like this will always be your desk and he's like oh yeah if you ever want a tired washed up analyst then <laughs> i'll come back yeah. and i yeah. definitely think that's a setup for a future whether it is the avengers or deadpool or or else but the sylvie one is interesting because she really played such a pivotal role in season one and i get she played a pivotal role in season two but did feel like she was kind of minimized in some areas throughout yeah, the season a little bit like sidelined a little bit and also not really getting a clear picture on the motives post kang like what what did she want to do like it's like the first episode, like the first post credit scene, I felt like set it up great for her. Like she wanted to try everything and do everything. And, mm -hmm. but it's like at this episode, you don't even know what she's doing. You don't even know where she's going. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't think they made yeah. that clear, which it would have been cool to hear her say like, oh, this is where I'm going and stuff. But I guess it will just make it more of a surprise to see wherever she pops up next. Yeah, I mean, and she's been a great character. I mean, and Sofia DiMartino's done a really good job playing the character. And like, I mean, like you said, there was some really interesting stuff going on with her in season one where her, her, her big goal was to take down the TVA and, you know, find He Who Remains, take down Kang and everything. But there really, I mean, it wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of direction for her. It felt like at times in season two. And and, and hopefully they rectify that because she's a really good character. Um, but, and I did find that really interesting, obviously with, you know, Loki going back, you know, time slipping in his own body so many times trying to stop Sylvie from from killing who remains that was a whole fun little sequence but um but no she's gonna be a really interesting piece to follow i hope she comes back sooner rather than later me too and it's like i that's why i think that there could be a low-key season three i think there could be a tva spinoff because there's enough smoke there to make that work i could mm -hmm. see her showing up in 
another kind of multiverse adjacent title. I mean, wouldn't rule out Deadpool. You know, I wouldn't rule out Deadpool 3. I mean, I'm trying to think of the other films that she could like kind of realistically like show up in. But we also don't yeah. really know. We don't actually. It's funny. It's like we're going to really need Kevin Feige to come out at Comic-Con or D23 next year and kind of give a state of the union and kind of be like, yeah. yo, we got this many more films ahead of Kang in Secret Wars. We got this many Disney Plus shows. This is our new strategy. We're really going to need mm-hmm. him to come out and do his like state of the union because like right now it is kind of hard to see where some of these characters end up next. You know, there's so yeah. many, there's so many characters right in the right now in the MCU. And you're like, oh, where, where are they gonna show up next? And it's just like so many characters, not enough projects. I know it's like a weird way, weird, weird way of saying it, but that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. No, and, and the MCU is just so big right now, and especially with a project like Loki that covers so much, so much ground in the story. And and I think now too, like like over the next few weeks and months, probably like leading into next year. I think hopefully, fingers crossed, things are gonna get start to get clearer now that now that the writers and actor strikes are over, they can finally start like working on projects again, getting back to filming. Like I think I heard Deadpool three is like probably gonna get back to filming by Thanksgiving or something. Oh, yeah, um, you know, Dare, I think yeah, before, Dare, Dare, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah Daredevil's gonna get, get back to filming. I know they were doing some major reworking on that, um, but we will we will see, and especially excited because. Um, I'm really curious to see one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is the guys who directed this series, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, they did Moon Knight, some of Moon Knight, and they also were hired to re- redo some of Daredevil. So I'm curious to see how how important of pieces they are in terms of behind the scenes stuff for the MCU. It seems like Marvel's put a lot of trust in them and they did such a good job with this series specifically that I think they're going to have a really bright future trying to help figure out and lay the groundwork for the rest of what the MCU is going to be through the multiverse saga. I do too. I, I honestly think we will see Dustin Daniel Cretton do King dynasty as the director, Mm -hmm. but I do think uh, Benson and Moorhead right now are my front runners to do secret wars. You know, I, I yeah. really do think they have that kind of pedigree because they remind me of the Russos in a lot of ways. I mean, just yeah. because of that, it's like that directing duo. Because I, I just definitely think that Secret Wars in King Dynasty, you'll probably end up doing directing duos just because of the sheer size of that cast and the sheer size oh, yeah. of those runtimes. Like, I yeah. have a feeling those films will be Infinity War slash Endgame long type films. Where they're gonna have to be. They're going to have to be. And also I think you're gonna have like kind of you know, similar to Infinity War and Endgame, you're gonna have like kind of different casts for each or different main players, essentially. Like Infinity mm-hmm. War was, you know, featured everyone, and then Endgame kind of, you know, still featured everyone, but honed in on the core group. Or I think that's gonna be the same playbook for Kang and Secret yeah. Wars. We're just gonna see who they decide to, you know, be these players. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think yeah. And especially because, um, especially Secret Wars is going to probably focus a lot on like older characters from like the past movies that haven't been used in the MCU before, like like the Toy Wire Spider Man, Andrew Garfield Spider Man, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman Wolverine, um, stuff like that. I mean, characters that really haven't been explored very much in the MCU. I mean, they're going to probably get a lot of their time to shine um, alongside, obviously, the the MCU stars that are there now. So 
I mean, it's a huge, huge task, um, considering how how big they've hyped these movies to be. I mean, these are supposed to be like even beyond Infinity War and Endgame, which are you know two of the five highest grossing movies in history. For sure. And I, I think the biggest one is like Kang Dynasty, they at least have some breathing room where like mm-hmm. that's not like a quote unquote direct adaption from a comic, at least as far mm-hmm. as I can tell, like because of the title and everything. So I think they will be able to get away with a lot of story liberties on that. For Secret Wars, I'm very curious how they're going to do because there's two, there's already two very high profile Secret Wars comics that have yeah. came out so i mean they're gonna have to do a good deal of figuring out the balance there but obviously once again we have to see what feige says at either hall h next year or at d23 at the honda center because you know that these are things that he could address he could also you know it's there's always the possibility he could walk things back a bit he could readjust things he could kick the can yep. down the road like and i i'm all for it you know i'm all for it. it's like i'm not in a like when it comes to marvel stuff like and i think most marvel fans will agree to this we're not like in a rush to see these things. no no like you know it's like if if they when they come out they come out and if they leave a uh great impact on us then that's when you know you've done a good job. So, I mean, like next year, yeah. if Deadpool is the only Marvel film, that's, you know, that's good. You know, Marvel Studios yeah. film, at least, because who knows what Sony's going to do. Like, they'll probably yeah. release right. whatever, whatever's in the archives. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and, and it's so funny uh, for me, too. Like, I felt for the longest time that, like, the multiverse saga feels so, like, I don't necessarily want to say rushed. But I don't know of any other way to really say it because, like, thinking about we got the entire Infinity Saga, I think it took 11 years. It was 08 to 19. We were at one point, we're supposed to get the entire multiverse saga by between like 2021 and 2025. There's a point where Secret Wars was going to come out at the end of 2025, which I think now it's supposed to come out in 27, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm kind of glad that things are being expanded out and given more time to breathe being more given more time to develop like like fantastic four now isn't even coming out till summer of 2025 and um and you it's funny you were saying um there's a couple those couple events you're waiting for obviously San Diego comic-con and dc3 next year um funny story actually i haven't told many people this um i actually booked a trip in early 2025 partly for my honeymoon but probably for work um there's a San Diego comic-con cruise that is taking place in february of 25 Whoa. And yeah, first time they've ever done it officially sponsored by San Diego Comic-Con. And I could see them potentially, I mean, maybe this is just me being really, really, really hopeful because I want to see it in person. But um, they they might be able to kind of bring some stuff there, too, because that's going to be a couple weeks now before Brave New World comes out. Um, you know, it's Captain America 4, a couple months before Fantastic Four comes out. Uh, Thunderbolt is supposed to come out that year now. Um, so, I mean, that was a ways away and I'm counting the days until it happens, but, uh, but that's going to be a big one to look forward to too. That's a huge scoop for everyone listening to this podcast that you are going on that cruise. I mean, paid paid for it myself. I mean, hopefully I'll get some press access. We'll see. Hey, rock on. No, this is cool. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. No, that sounds like a lot of fun. And hopefully they do bring stuff out for that you know for the yeah 
you know, Marvel brings it out. So it's like, I really do think 2024 will be a huge year. And then what you said, 2025 will be a big year as well. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So it's like, they get, they got a lot, you know, they got a lot going on and really it's just exciting times ahead because they are, you know, they are just slowing down a bit and you're, you were a hundred percent right. This, this saga was being rushed. Like, if you think about it, it was being rushed. Like, if you watch Phase 4, and even when you watch Phase 5, like the early Phase 5, before they realized, like, hey, you know, Quantumania, Mm -hmm. like, before they realized, like, oh, crap, we kind of have to slow down, like, hit the brakes a bit. You you could just tell how fast they were kind of going through this uh, Mm -hmm. material. I mean, like, Multiverse of Madness, you know, and no way home like that was at first like that was thought of as the small little multiverse saga and then everything yeah you know, just started to trickle from there but i do think the key for the multiverse saga and i think you'll agree with me on this richard but i think the key for the multiverse saga is similar to what made the infinity saga work is that they shouldn't be afraid to still do projects that don't involve the multiverse like because remember in the infinity oh, saga age of ultron and Civil War and like some of these other titles, Black Panther, like all those titles didn't really even Ragnarok. Ragnarok, I mean, Homecoming didn't involve Thanos, didn't involve the big, you know, Kang. So I, I'm hopeful that in, in like in 2025, it will be that um Captain America: Brave New World can be one of those films where it's not multiverse, yeah. but you know, maybe it does set up the Avengers, Thunderbolts, uh even though I've been kind of more critical of this project than others, Blade could maybe, you know, maybe be one of those projects that could really be not multiverse adjacent. But I think that's a key to having a good saga. I think you just have to have that balance of, you know, that overarching story, but also just delivering good projects. Yeah. Like another one, another one I'm thinking of is is the next MCU live action project coming out, Echo, which is, you know, going to be in January. And I mean, I don't know about you, but that first trailer looked like they they are taking some fan complaints into account. They're, you know, really going hard at Echo. I mean, even though they're dropping it all at once, they're doing it on Disney Plus and Hulu. I'm actually legit really excited for Echo. I'm I'm curious to see uh, how they do it. I am curious too. And I have said, I think because if you've listened to this podcast earlier this season, I me and JRB actually were talking about Echo and we were actually talking about how yeah. we weren't excited. This was pre-trailer. Like, so right. for like disclosure, pre-trailer, we weren't excited because we were talking about the Marvel overhaul and you're like, yeah. okay, so we don't, I was nervous, why, yeah. we don't understand why were certain projects greenlit, like, you know, were they moving too fast? And Echo was the name that came up post-trailer and JRB, JRB can attest to this too. Me and him both were like, holy crap, we're going to, I even said to him, like, I might have to eat some crow because this <laughs> show might be like legitimately like awesome. But I do think they pulled the biggest like bait and switch on Echo because for months, all we heard about was there is trouble on the set, trouble in production. You know, it's like you kept on hearing things and then all of a sudden you get this trailer with Kingpin and blood and, you know, all this crazy violence and like, yeah, all these great visuals, too. And you're like what just happened were they faking us like were they like like <laughs> were they like putting out were they like i almost felt like was marvel like trying to like 
fake out the press or like the scoopers and be like, hey, guys, just tell them it sucks. And then they like hit us with an uppercut because that's how I felt right. after watching that trailer. Like even when it was announced that they were dropping all episodes at once, we were all we were all like, oh, we we're all super so, worried. Yeah. Well, you know what that means? It's probably they want us to forget it. And, uh-huh. you know, so it is very fascinating to see what they end up doing with that show as well but yeah no i think there is a big and kind of optimistic future for the mcu going forward and loki i think played a part in that as well and i think just disney as a company overall i think is getting back into a groove and Mm -hmm. i think you know marvel is also getting back into groove i joked on this podcast as well i know this doesn't correlate to anything but i do think you know, they shifted ah- Ahsoka was airing at night on Disney Plus, and that was great. And then Loki mm-hmm. was airing at night, and this this was great as well. So I'm like, I don't know. It feels like they just picked the time to start airing stuff on, at night, and every all of a sudden, all the projects are, you know, has that, like, kind of razzle-dazzle again. Yeah, it, it's making Marvel feel like an event again, like, like bringing people together to really enjoy something. And because, like, some of the projects recently have been – better than generally what we got for you know about you know six months to a year there um so i mean here's hoping me fingers crossed i mean you know i love me some mcu i've loved the mcu since the beginning um but i'm hoping the next few months really kind of you know gets the franchise back to where it was and gets people back to a place where they're really really excited for what's coming out and and especially with like you said next year was jam-packed and now there's only what two three projects coming out possibly all of next year deadpool 3 echo and maybe one or two others so maybe taking a break will will help things shift back to normal i think that break will help but there is also one thing at marvel studios right now that we have to talk about and it's related to loki as well and it also goes back into secret invasion and some of these other projects what is going on with their post-credit strategy and obviously we'll talk <laughs> right. about this in the Marvels as well, but I am so lost at their post-credit strategy. Like I kind of understand why this Loki didn't have a post-credit scene. Like I understand it, but also I'm getting a bit confused because Secret Invasion didn't have one and then Loki didn't have one. And also these projects didn't even have like the ticker like at the end, like the whole like Nick Fury will return or yeah, you know, right, right. Loki, Loki will return. return. Sylvie will return. Ob will return. Like there was nothing. Uh, Miss Minutes yeah. will return. Like I just like. What do you think's going on? Because the thing is, Marvel did those post-credit scenes as a way so people would like actually sit through the credits to honor everyone's work on the project. Right. And like it feels like both in the films and now on the Disney Plus series. There's like kind of this like neglect for it where they're like, oh, we'll just either make a mid credit scene or we won't do one at all. And I'm just kind of confused by that strategy just because like this company kind of made it cool to sit through the credits and like honor everyone's work. And then all of a sudden it's not doing it. So I'm like, well, what's going on? Yeah, for sure. And like and it's funny, too, like like Guardians only had the. um well, it, actually, it did have a couple of post-credit scenes, but those were more like to to close off everything and maybe tease more a couple, little bit more guard. Yeah, stuff they did the it right. I think it wasn't as crazy yeah. as Gun during Volume Two. The like Gun during Volume Two, he was in his bag. <laughs> he insane. did five. That he was, did five post-credit that was, scenes. 
and we've never had that again. So yeah, <laughs> I hope he does but, that at DC. I hope Superman Legacy is like five post credit scenes. Like, let's do it. Yeah, here's hoping. But uh, but no, and and I'm curious. Maybe that's part of the strategy. Maybe trying not to like, you know, maybe trying not to promise too much moving mm. forward, just because that that's actually kind of what I was just thinking just now. Like. Maybe because so much was promised from the multiverse saga, they announced so much stuff, like everything through Secret Wars, which, like I said, now isn't coming out until 2027. Like, we know what's coming, and I, I think maybe leaving people with, like, a little bit more to wait for on, on part of it, I think that's maybe part of it. I mean, obviously, the Marvels had post credit scenes that we'll talk about, um, you know, later. But, um, but, like, with Loki, too, and I think especially with Loki – they made this one feel kind of like it was an end to a story, almost like yes. the way the Russos did with Endgame, because there wasn't any post-credit scenes in Endgame just because that was the last movie, really, of the, the unofficial last movie, the Infinity Saga. For sure. So maybe that's why they did it for Loki. I would expect them to maybe go back to going back to normal, you know, starting next year and stuff, but we will see. Now, it wasn't it was an interesting point. Yeah, I, because I just thought about Secret Invasion didn't have one, and now I'm just starting to think Secret Invasion didn't have one for different reasons, you know, production troubles yeah. or something, you know. Yeah, but I hope they kind of get that back on track because it's like, you know, I, I like sitting through the credits. And, like, I do have a theory yeah, on the sure. Marvels, too, which we'll talk about that on that podcast. I have a theory about that whole right. strategy as well. But, you know, as we come to the close of this uh, podcast talking about – Loki season two, the finale. I have to ask actually two more questions. And All right. it is it is one of those things where I think is it's pretty obvious that me and you both think this is it for Loki. Like it's Loki for Loki the show. Like yeah. as a season two. Makes me curious, though, why they didn't promote it as the final season, though, because I feel like that's always something that Disney and Marvel, like not Marvel necessarily, but Disney likes to promote final seasons to juice things yeah, up. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a bit shocked by that. But my yeah. question for you before we give our MVP of this episode is what do we think happens next with all these characters? I know we've talked about it a little bit, but. What do you think happens next with the TVA and like Loki? Because I, I have some thoughts, but you know, it's still after that episode, you're like, whoa, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, I do think, um, I mean, this combined with obviously the Marvels that we'll talk about. Um, I mean, I think it sets it up probably for the TVA to be in Deadpool three. Um, I think that's the, you know, obviously the next logical place where they're going to show up. I mean, especially if those rumors about Owen Wilson are true um, being in the movie. Um, I mean, with Deadpool and Wolverine traveling through different universes, trying to get to, you know, the main MCU timeline and everything. Um, and obviously, I can't predict the details of it or anything, but I'm very, very excited to find out. Um, as for Loki, I mean, like I said earlier, I think he's going to be potentially one of the big players, um, you know, looking forward to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars because he knows about Kang. He's now like one of the most important pieces tying the entire, you know, multiverse and the timeline together and everything. Um, I mean, I'm curious to see if this movie sets up a reunion between him and Thor at some point. I'm curious to mm. see if they maybe maybe go that route, you know, get them back together again. Um, this new variant of Loki, obviously. But there's a lot of routes they could go, and, and a lot of them are actually pretty exciting, and, and I'm really excited to see where they can go. I am too. I, I think my prediction is we don't see Loki. 
Mutant will not see Loki until Avenger, Avengers King Dynasty. That's my hot take. I could see that. We don't see him until see Avengers that. King Dynasty, and maybe the cold open is him sitting in the tree or whatever, and you know maybe that's how it starts, and you know stuff. Yeah. You know it can be explained to the audience more in a you know how instead of like in a recap kind of way, get get that yeah. going. My prediction for the TVA, Deadpool three, obviously, but I also start to I'm also starting to wonder if they're going to show up in other titles as well. Yeah, that are King related. And then, you know, it's like someone like Mobius. I hope Mobius, you know, decides to not take care of his kids for a while so he can go be in Deadpool <laughs> 3 because we hope want so. Owen Wilson, Ryan Reynolds, and Hugh Jackman together, at least for a scene. Absolutely. Just because I of... need Owen Wilson like to have a big role in a Marvel movie. I know he's in the post credit scene of Ant-Man, but we we gotta get him on the big screen for the MCU for sure. We need him interacting with other characters because I just think Owen Wilson's like ad libbing skills with some of the other resident like oh, yeah. MCU like people who can like really kind of start spitballing and stuff would be hilarious oh, yeah. because it's just so there's just so much potential there. So I really hope he's back. But I am kind mm-hmm. of thinking we're we're seeing a break till King Dynasty unless we get that spinoff show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that could definitely happen. And as we wrap up this episode of discussing the Loki season two finale, who was your uh, MVP of the finale? Because I was calling this segment variant of the week, but it's really our MVP of the week because shockingly this season, we didn't get a ton of variants. You know, I right. for some reason yeah. thought we were going to get like a variant each week. So I was like, oh, variant of the week. And just did not it was a good work theory. that way. It was a great theory, and it just did not work that <laughs> way. But who was your MVP of this episode? I, I mean, I can't go anywhere with Tom Hiddleston, Loki. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, he was the most important part of the episode, and you know, turning out to be now the the god of stories, which is going to be a really interesting path for him. But I loved what Tom Hiddleston did. I thought this was one of his best performances as an actor that we've seen in the MCU. I mean, obviously, he's been great in everything. He he single almost single-handedly makes Dark World watchable. Uh, mm. I mean, I, I like that movie enough, but Tom Hiddleston is clearly the MVP of that. Oh, that's a whole other story for another day. Um, but no, I, I got to go Hiddleston. He was incredible. He drove this episode from start to finish, and that whole last scene with him was some some top-notch MCU stuff. A hundred percent. And I wish I could go Kihu Kwan or Owen Wilson here, but it's like, I have to go Tom Hiddleston yeah. low key too, but and they I, were all I, great too. They were all great. Everyone was great. Everyone was great in this cast. And it's funny, like earlier in this season, of this pod, we weren't picking Loki as the MVP. And then it shifted right. like halfway through this season. He be kind of became the MVP of his own show, which, you know, makes sense. And mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's that's kind of how it worked out. It was just a loaded cast, but yeah, Loki as the MVP of Loki just makes uh too much sense. Yeah, for sure. And Richard, before I hit this outro for everyone listening to this podcast, where can they follow you on social media and where can they read some of your writing? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I'm as you guys know, I'm at the direct.com. We we cover Marvel, Star Wars, DC, and nowadays just about anything we can get our hands on. We're we're kind of really expanding more into the world of like general movies. I've written a lot about over the summer. I did Mission Impossible, Barbie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, uh, we did some Hunger Games stuff, um, and we're really going to be digging into more of the general movie universe going forward. Um, as where you can find me, you can find me on uh, 
X slash Twitter, X <laughs> formerly known as Twitter, um, at, at Richard Nebens, N-E-B-E-N-S. I'm also on Instagram, Reddit, um, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. You can see my writing basically every day. I'm, I'm getting anything I can get my hands on, and uh, we will go from there. It's going to be going to be an interesting next few months and, and a fun 24 and 25. It's going to be. It's going to be an awesome 2024 and 2025, and this podcast has such big plans and before you know i talk about some of our upcoming plans i just want to remind everyone who's listening that if you entered our the variance giveaway we will be announcing the winner soon on twitter so just keep your eyes peeled for that because we will be announcing who will get a free shirt for the variance giveaway and you know our first giveaway we're not going to do giveaways too often but yeah it just <laughs> you know keep your eyes on twitter for that but, you know, we conclude another season with Loki and your support means the world if you're listening to this pod. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a few friends because that really helps us out. And Multiversal Marvel is going to have more episodes both in 2023 and 2024. We got some exciting bonus episodes in the works that include previews, rankings, drafts, deep dives and more. And for more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Boardwalk Times. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review.